morning allows you, um, I would really encourage you to be here at 9.30 uh, Sunday mornings for Sunday school. Um, as my family and I are ministered to by Joe, um, I have a sermon outline, right? It's this cool, like, paper. And um, as we're going through, I'm pointing to the things that Joe's talking about today in Sunday school that are, like, written down already in my, my notes. And then Joe used a verse today about the, the cleansing of the lips with the burning of the coal, and that was linked in the song. Right? That's only orchestrated through the Holy Spirit and God's love for us. So um, there's additional loving on you in the morning at 9.30. If you can be here Sunday mornings, just know that next week the clock flips an hour, so just like, be aware of that. But um, just really encourage you that, um, that he is in complete control. So, so let's pray first. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, thank you for this beautiful day, this day that you have created, that you've ordained, that you've had planned out long before any of us have experienced it. Lord, you've had this sermon written. Lord, it's, it's your message to deliver to your people, Lord. I just pray that I am the vessel you need today, Lord, and that I can do uh, justice for your message for your people. Lord, please uh, watch over and bless the sermon. Lord, bless the people in this house and those who are over Zoom. Lord, thank you so very much for their attendance this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, we are working through Acts. So, we are in Acts 2 today. So, I'm going to read Acts 2 first, and then we're going to break this down. Um, I apologize. I am not a strong reader, and there's a whole bunch of uh, non-strong reader ver- words in here um, of all the uh, of all the cities. So I will do my best. But here we go. So Acts two, and I'm only covering one through thirteen today, um, and then uh, the other brothers of the church are going to tackle the rest of, of two. So when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard the speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that such of us hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elimites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Liberia near Syria, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, wonder, some however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. So, so this, this section says the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And for the longest time, I thought Pentecost was this event. Pentecost meant the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I was wrong. 
You, you guys know that I'm wrong a lot. So, um, so, so let me get you some background on what's happening. Um, oh, I'm, I've got this cool clicker. See, let's see if it works. All right. So if you visit the CMA, CMA Alliance website, the About Us screen, okay, so here's the website, and then right here, there's an About Us, which gets you to these two pages. And, right, it's, like, notice that it says, we were Christ-centered, and that's right here. So this is the top of the page, and this is the second page right here. So when you go on and look at it, you, you'll notice that it talks about the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, and Acts one. 4, B, and 5, and then the other piece that's cut off here is that it talks about the Acts 1-8 family. So it talks right here, the Acts 1-8 family, and then it talks about the Great Commission in here. So you don't need to go there, but I want to, I want to read those couple of verses real quick. So we're going to run over to Matthew 28. Sixteen. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, so here's the important part, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's the Great Commission. Now, depending on your Bible, I want you to flip over to Acts, right? And I want you to go to Acts 1, 4, and I'm going to read the second half of 4 and 5. Joe preached on this, so here we go. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard about me about heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now a couple of verses down. Acts one eight, the Acts one eight family. Think of this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, here we go. Judea, Samaria, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So right here is Jerusalem. Then you've got Judea, and then you've got Samaria, and then you've got the ends of the earth. Okay? So, You'll see that at the end of the sermon, it makes kind of like a bullseye, right? Where you, you focus on, the, on the, the things at hand and first, and then a little bit bigger, and then a little bit bigger. Oop. Here we go. So, history of Pentecost. Again, like I told you, I thought that Pentecost meant the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's not. The Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, but Pentecost does not mean the Holy Spirit. Pentecost actually means 50. Okay, so so what? What does the number 50 have to do with this? Well, God has perfect timing, 
And he wanted to make sure that when the Holy Spirit came, there was going to be an audience for the coming. So what does he do? He says, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So now you need to understand what Pentecost was. Pentecost is an actual celebration. It's one of the three festivals. Right? There's three festivals or three feasts where everybody goes in pilgrimages. So everybody around the nation, so let me go back, everybody around here comes to Jerusalem where the temple's at. Everybody. Now that's a lot of people. This clicker is driving me nuts. All right. So you have three festivals. You have Passover. You have Festival of Weeks or Pentecost, and you have the Feast of Tabernacles. So Joe talked about the Feast of Tabernacles this morning at Sunday school. So there you go. It's like totally linked. So we all understand what Passover was, right? That's the, where you put the blood over the, the doorpost so that way um, your children w- weren't killed. So, right? And then 50 days later, or seven weeks So 7 times 7 is 49. So 50 days, you then have the festival of weeks or Pentecost. What's cool about Pentecost is that it happens at, it's also sometimes referred to as the festival of the first fruits. It happens at the completion of the grain festival. So think about what the weather would be like at the end of a grain harvest. Pretty nice weather. So it's going to be the easiest time for everybody to be traveling around the country to go to this festival at the tabernacle or at the, at the temple. Okay? So you have all of these people show up, and part of the festival was that you cooked up two leaven loaves of bread and you waved them in front of the, the Lord at, at your um, sacrifice. So sometimes this is also referred to as the festival of the waves. Right? So it's waves, weeks, or Pentecost. It's all the same event. So you now have how many people at, in Jerusalem? A lot of people. That's why this becomes relevant. And this was the whole aha moment for me, because I always think that Pentecost means Holy Spirit. It doesn't. It just means that it was 50, and this was like how he was going to get his whole audience at the, at the church, at the temple, all at the same time. So, Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That should be a really capital letters all. It's really talking about all of the disciples. And as, we, as uh, Isaac talked about last week, we were talking about the fact that are there really 12? Right? Because remember that uh, um, Matthias right, is drawn out of the the 120 that were along there with them. Okay, so I'm a sports guy, so I kind of think of the 12 disciples as the varsity and these 120 extra guys as the JV, and this guy gets called from the JV to the varsity and says, like, okay, so, but that means that there's not 12 disciples. There's really, like, 130 guys hanging out. So where are you going to hold all 130 people in Jerusalem? Because it says they were all there together in one place. And some of the studying that I got into, it talked about that this was actually at the temple and probably in one of the upper rooms because that would have been a big enough place to hold all these people. Verse 2. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, Joe's always a big fan of, of all of the um, Greek and the Hebrew, so I found a cool Hebrew word. It's called uh, ruach. Okay, you got to like th- clear your throat at the end. Ruach. It's spelled R-U-A-K-H. It's the Hebrew word meaning wind or breath or spirits. Okay? When, when you think of that word, think of energy. Can you see energy? No. Can you see the effects of energy? Yeah, right? So think of wind. Um, when it talks about in the Bible that uh, the spirit came over and, and uh, added the, the flesh and the tendons back to the dry bones, right? Or the breath came over the earth, or the spirit came over the earth. You, you can't see it happening, but you can see the effects of it happening. So the, the big fancy word uh, Hebrew is ruach. So, so, so now imagine these key words that, that show up in this first verse. Suddenly. That means it's God's timing, not ours. Sound, right? Suddenly a sound. That's energy. Remember that you can't see energy, but you can definitely feel that. In this one here, like I can just like pick up if you've ever been to a concert and that, that sound like it's it's bouncing off of your chest, right? Just like that big rumbling sound. Like a blowing violence wind came from heaven. Right? So where did it come from? From heaven. Did not start on earth. This was generated from God. Violent, full of force or great power. So, if this is happening in Jerusalem, who heard this? Who experienced the effects of this? Was it the 12? Was it the 12 plus the 120? Or would it have been everybody in Jerusalem around the temple? And who was at the temple? Everybody, because it was the festival of Pentecost. You have the easiest festival to travel to. So you have the whole nation here at one time. And how many of you would have heard this? All of them. So let's talk about these tongues. Tongues of fire came to rest. That word rest means seated, completed, a sign of permanence. Right? Joe's talked about this, that... Um, that when we were in Hebrews, when, when uh, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, that sitting means that it's completed. It, it gives you a, um, a sense of completion or a complete satisfaction. It is done. Right? So, so you need to think about what the Holy Spirit did because we think about the Holy Spirit in terms of the Old Testament Holy Spirit. Right? It, it's the same Spirit, but in the Old Testament... People were spirit-filled for a certain time or a certain purpose or, or a certain, certain event. But it was very short-lived. Holy Spirit came and was upon them, and then we go. 
the New Testament Holy Spirit feeling is for all people for all time. Right? This isn't a, the Spirit comes and then goes. This is a blessing, right? So that's why the, the tongues of fire came to rest. This is a permanence. So let's think about the condition of the disciples. Jesus continued his ministry to teach the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Right? Joe's working through Mark. If you go through and read the Gospels, um, we talked about it a bunch today, that Jesus is constantly teaching in parables to, to a bunch of the people around him, but who's he really teaching to? He's really priming his 12 disciples. And he's teaching them over and over and over because they just don't get it most of the time. Which, like we said earlier this morning, is really reassuring to me because most of the time I don't get it. So, so knowing that the, the varsity team, the, the hand-picked disciples, Jesus' main men, don't get it most of the time is reassuring because that allows me to, to know that I don't have to get all of it all at the same time too. So Jesus is continuing to, to teach these, these 12 guys. So they were filled by the Holy Spirit when? When they were filled with the Holy Spirit in fulfillment of a process. Or a promise, I'm sorry. Fulfillment of a promise. They were filled as they received in faith. They were filled in God's perfect timing. Think, think about Pentecost, right? I'm going to make the, the, the easiest traveling festival with the most amount of people so that this event is going to be recognized and, and remembered by a lot of people. God's perfect timing. They were filled as they were together in unity. We talked about that when we were back preaching in James, that the church was in unity, right? Those 12 guys plus the extra 120 guys, they were all in the church or in the temple, and they were praying together. And they were filled in unusual ways. Could you imagine what that scene would look like? You have 120 plus 12, right? So I'm a math guy, so there's like 131 guys there. Because remember, there was 120 minus the 1 because he went up into the 12, right? So you have 130 guys plus there. And the tongues of fire come and land on them. And they start praising God. To all of these other people who were hanging out, If that's not an unusual picture or, or, or vision, I don't know what it would be. So, Kathleen read about the curse of Babel. Okay? So, the, the picture gonna, is going to help us see this in just a little bit. But, but here we are. So, uh, verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, which is right there. Notice there's a little fire there. God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven 
when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? All right. So those of you who are not Bible historians, because I'm not, I came across why that phrase there would have been important. Aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? Did you realize that to be Galilean meant that you were assumed to be poor in speech and uncultured? Uneducated. So how would they have been able to have all of these abilities to speak all of these other languages? So, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? All right, I'm not going to butcher all the names again, but here's all the names of the, the areas, right? So let's look at them, right? You've got Rome, you've got Asia, you've got Pontius, you've got Media, you've got Elium, you've got Liberia, you've got Egypt. All of these countries would have come together in this one location all at the same time for the Festival of Weeks, for Pentecost, do you think that the people over here in Rome and here in Asia all spoke the same language? Good answer. Right? So let's go back and read the, the Curse of Battle because I, God continues to show me things. And, and I actually want to read just one little section, right? Because Kathleen read the whole thing, so you guys heard it. And so God comes down, and they, they, were want, they, they were wanting to show off. They were going to go and build this tower up to God. But, but I, want you to, I want you to read with me verses 6 and 7. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Did you hear it? Because when I read it, like it blew me away. And it blew me away to the level that I was almost in tears. And I, and I said, Bethany, oh my gosh, look, it's right there. And she said, what? Here, let, let me read the, the verse where it's at and let's see if you, you hear it. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Did you hear it that time? There's one word. What word is it? Us. Come let us. Who's the us? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God is one, three in one. God is there. The Holy Spirit is there. So right there, come let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. The Holy Spirit was there. So now you flash forward to Acts 2, to the Pentecost, Right? where now the tongues come, the Holy Spirit comes down, and those tongues, so that curse of Babel, to be able to speak in tongues is now terminated. What were the disciples and, and their, their other men, what were they doing when they, were, when they were using their tongues? Were they delivering the gospel message? Read it. Um, right, verses, uh, 
verses 12. Amazed and perplexed. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, at 11. Uh, Cretans and Ahabs, Jews and converts in Judaeum, uh, were hearing them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. The wonders of God. The, the disciples weren't, weren't giving a turn and burn message. They weren't delivering the gospel. They were simply praising the wonders of God. That's what they were doing. They were just so blessed and overwhelmed by this, by this rushing and complete filling of the Holy Spirit. Right? Given that opportunity, that's what they were doing. They were talking, and all of the nations were there present, and all of the nations were hearing the blessings. And look, when I say all, I really mean all. Like, that would have had to have been everybody in the world. Are not all these men speaking Galileans? Galileans were considered uncultured and poor speakers. The trouble, they had troubles pronouncing some of the words. And this is who God picks to honor his spirit. This is who God picks that Jesus gets to teach directly to. Hearing that, reading that gives me hope because I'm a schmuck and it's okay. So what were these Galileans talking about? Praising God. So it, it, it's, again, it's not, it wasn't the gospel story. It was just beautiful worship. And I have to believe that that was God's message that they needed to hear. He brings everybody together and he allows it to be in his timing but the message that that individual needed to hear. And that's Pentecost. That's the coming of the Holy Spirit. So when you think about the, the Great Commission, right? Shelly and Joe were talking about missions a ton, and, and Saturday night was talking about missions and the unfinished. The, the, the goal is to go and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So here you go. Here's my big bullseye target. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So couldn't we see that as Okanagan County, Washington, United States, and the whole world? And what is he asking us to do? Is he asking us to go and deliver a gospel message? Or is he asking you just to continue to love on your God and to praise him? Because one of Joe's favorite statements that I love is that, is that speak the gospel daily. Use words when necessary. Your life should be the gospel. Right? I, Isaac challenged us a couple weeks ago to be inviters. And now Isaac and I have got this game on, like, can we invite people? J- Joe's getting on the game. Joe's inviting people. I've invited people. Isaac's inviting people. Like, like, it's like this, like, one-up competition. Like, how many can we invite in one week? And why? Because your life should be the gospel. You should be loving God always because God's loving us 
always. And why wouldn't we want to share that with our friends and our family? Heck, why wouldn't we want to share with our enemies too? So are, are we ready to be inviters? Are we ready to go and be Okanagan County, Washington, United States, and the whole world? Just like the Great Commission says? Because we're ready. We have his word. We have his Holy Spirit who's come down and blessed us. Right? He, he, he didn't give the disciples, you know, some huge theologian message to go and deliver to everybody who had shown up at the temple. It was simply praising God. And, and God will give you what you need to tell people. You do not have to be an expert at it. Because this isn't my sermon. This is God's sermon, and I'm just the guy who's delivering it. So all you have to do is love him completely, and he will prepare you for those conversations with your friends to invite them so that they understand what an amazing God we serve. To be a disciple is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be ready to go and do God's will. It takes a sermon to explain it, but it takes a lifetime to complete it. Are you ready and willing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for this sermon that you have built for me to deliver, Lord. Thank you for for giving us this Holy Spirit that that lives within us, that exudes from us, Lord, and that we can continue to go and show uh, our friends and our family, Lord, just, just how amazing you are and what you will do. Lord, we just pray that we continue to live our lives according to your direction, Lord. That when we, when we follow your word and we follow your steps, Lord, that it's, it, it doesn't always say it's going to be easy. In fact, your Bible is full of opportunities where, where great men did not have an easy life. But, but glory follows sacrifice. Glory follows suffering. And when we have that suffering, Lord, for you, we know that your glory is coming. Thank you for being with us at all times. Thank you for giving us a heart of missions to want to go and reach out. Lord, thank you for those perfect timings that you give us. Lord, Pentecost, where you gather all of your people together, Lord. Make a Pentecost here for Okanagan Valley. Make a Pentecost for Washington. Make a Pentecost for the United States. Lord, I just pray that you prepare us for your time, that you give us the opportunity for us to go and be missions here in OMAC and Okanagan. Lord, we don't need to go across the pond to go and become a missionary. We can be a missionary in our workplace. We can be a missionary in our families. Lord, we can be a missionary and bring your people to you. Because when all of your people have heard your name, they will all understand that someday that they will bow at your feet, Lord, and that they will be judged by you, Lord. And if they know who your son was, and they know the sacrifice that your son made for us, and we know that we will be living with you in heaven for all eternity. Lord, give us the boldness to be able to go and have those conversations with our friends. Lord, and watch over us. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.